Welcome everybody to Tell Me Something Good. We're back. This is uh, what would be episode three of the year. We've got, uh, we're calling this one Forever Young. And we've got the man, the myth, the legend in the building today, Paul Young. If you don't know the name, he is the president and CEO of the Downtown Memphis Commission. He was the former director, this is when I met him, of the Memphis Housing and Community Development. And he is currently a candidate for mayor. Yes, sir. He is a father, a husband, a son of a preacher. Mm-hmm. Right? Two of them. Two. Mother and father. <laughs> Mother and father. Yeah. This going to hurt me more, <laughs> yes, than, more than it hurts you. Um, welcome, my brothers. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm feeling great. Feeling good. Feeling inspired. I'm all over the city. Obviously, I'm working every day downtown. And then after hours, I'm all over the city, man. I'm meeting so many people and just proud of my city, man. I tell people I wish they could see Memphis through my eyes mm. because uh, there's a lot of doom and gloom and people talk about, you know, the negative. But, man, there's so many people that are optimistic about our city that's feeling hopeful and want reasons to feel hopeful. And yeah. so, you know, I, I just feel inspired, man. Okay. Keeps me going. Okay. 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 I've got uh I've got Nikki Knight with me like Nikki normal, <laughs> and then I've got uh, Mrs. Javon Scott, our director of community engagement, co-hosting with us today. Hello, hey. hello, hello, hello. Good to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. So today, as we get started, I, I think a, a wonderful place to start would be with some just quick rapid fire. You know what I mean? Just kind of yeah. get to know you real quick. <laughs> um, basketball or football? Basketball, easy. Easy, huh? Easy, okay. Easy, yeah. um, Chick-fil-A or home-cooked meal? Ooh. Mm. Ooh. Oh, no, I like it. Come on, brother. It's rapid oh, fire. Yeah. Uh, Chick-fil-A. Ooh, uh-huh. I'm telling your wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, what you got? What you got? Uh, favorite color, red or blue? Blue. blue. Mm, okay. Even though I, I rip red for the, for the cappers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> favorite um, color to go-to karaoke song. Mm, I don't know if I have one. I don't do karaoke, but uh, probably Eminem Lose Yourself. Oh, yeah, oh, you yeah. killed that, huh? I killed that. Okay. Killed we that. might need to have that as the no. intro. <laughs> Absolutely. The Nicky Knight, you got that one, right? Lose Yourself. I, I know okay. all the lines on that one. All of it, huh? Yeah. Okay, okay, so we know you'll be listening in and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lose that's, Yourself. That's, right. how I, that's how I get myself ready. Okay. I have to go speak. Okay, <laughs> okay. I like it. Uh, what would you say um, is on your playlist right now? What are you listening to? Uh, I'm a hip hop dude, so okay. I'm listening to Ti, Old Eight Ball, MJG, Nas, Jay Z. Okay, I just listen to old school rap. I mean, that's and not too '90s rap. Yeah, late yeah, 90s, yeah you say early, old school folks. Yeah, so know not not anymore. '80s, but late '90s, <laughs> early 2000s. Like that's my era. So okay, mm-hmm. I'm listening to a lot of that. But I like J Cole. Now, I mean Drake, all them too. Okay, so, okay, okay. It's just hip hop. I got you. I got I'm you. A fan. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so tell us. I mean, I think that um I've seen you out a lot. Yeah. Right? Like I follow you on LinkedIn. Yep. Um, I met you in the middle of the pandemic mm-hmm. um as everything was being shut down. Right. Um, and uh a mutual colleague, I believe, kind of introduced us because Who was we were, it? I can't I think it was Jared from Hospitality. Yep, Hub. yep, yep. That's right. Um, That's right. Yep. We were looking to try to find places That's for the exactly forgotten ones. Right. I forgot, man. I couldn't yeah. remember how I met you. There was so much happening during that time. Yo, period, well, man. I was brand. I had only been in this city a year essentially. <laughs> yeah. I got here January 2019, so that was March, mm-hmm. March and April, and 
Um, I didn't know anyone from Adam, but right. I knew that you like that moment left a permanent imprint right. for me um, because not many people are thinking about the forgotten ones. Right. 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 My friends with no addresses. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, so, that was a that was a crazy time during the pandemic. And, and, and what 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 you're referencing was a time period when we were early in the pandemic we had all of these individuals who were experiencing homelessness and they had nowhere to go we didn't know the rules of covid and mm-hmm. what it meant so we were just trying to find places where we can get them so they wouldn't be on the street getting exposed and you know this place uh, for yeah. the kingdom was one of the options that we were, we trying, were trying to explore we uh, trying. i don't know if did we, we we never we couldn't made it because happen, our but, rooms were so big but right. it inspired more thoughts for yeah, us and yeah, part we of some hard and we, we found hotels that we were able to use but because i was the director of housing like that was what i was responsible for yeah. it's like we got to figure this out yeah and we were beating every bush to figure out well the fact that we you do. were willing uh, to not sit on your hands. Oh no, we can't know? can't do that, man. It's too many people's lives that we're dependent on, mm. on responding. Absolutely, and you know that's what local government is about. Like, government should be thinking about how to make people's lives better when they're not even thinking about it. <laughs> like when they're trying to figure out how to make ends meet, we have to be thinking from a local government perspective, from a holistic perspective. What things can we do? to make sure that the people of this community's lives are better and more enriched and that they have all of the basic needs. And during that time period, they couldn't get to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we had to step up. Right. Man, that's awesome to hear. Yeah. Let's backtrack a little bit. All right. Um, you know, um, you've got a sharp mouthpiece. I, I've heard it once. <laughs> I'm hearing it again now. Um, um, you, you give all the feels when you speak, but let's let's back up to the all young right, young go. Paul Young. Young Paul uh, tell Young. Tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. Like when were you raised? Where were you born? Mm-hmm. Uh, when's your birthday? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Were you raised in a multiple household of mom and dad, brothers and yeah. sisters? Give yeah. us give us a little bit of a glimpse into the young young kid. Yeah, Paul. so I, so I grew up in Oak Haven. I was born in '79, so I'm I'm 43 now. I'll be 44 later this year. Okay. Um, but born in '79 in Oak Haven and went to high school in at East High School. I still lived in Oak Haven. Uh, I was in an optional program. And, you know, life for me growing up was great. And I grew up son of two full gospel Baptist preachers, William okay. and Diane Young. Did they wear um, did they wear they wear the robes and stuff? Like uh, on on first Sunday. Okay. Yeah, yeah, first Sunday. <laughs> okay, that's communion um, Sunday, right? Right. Okay. Um, but yeah, man, I'm, they, they, they were awesome, amazing. My dad just recently passed. My mom still still around. Our and um, yeah, but you know, we're working to make him proud. But they were so down to earth. So it wasn't like it was, you know, a lot of pressure on us like to live up to this this ideal Christian lifestyle. They let us be kids and, Mm -hmm. you know, we were Christians and they made sure of that, but they weren't, they weren't so strict in their religion that they weren't normal. (laughs) So tell me, Mm -hmm. well, two things. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me what's that, what was that faith experience like for you? Because it sounded like we grew up in the same kind of age, right? Era. And I know church was something when you were young, like, you know, like if you weren't ushering or in the choir, right, right. like it was a lot of you found a way to maneuver and pretend. Right, right. Right. Like, so what was your faith experience? What was your kind of yeah. come to Jesus moment? So so for me, I mean, I, I grew up in it. So I saw it every Sunday and it was in me. It was in me. But I think the older I got, the more I kind of pushed it away. Um, hmm. And obviously, I still had faith, still believed in God. But the 
the the ritual of church and and going every Sunday and going because I was every Sunday every Wednesday night like that, that was my <laughs> life. Uh, and so when I got to college, I wouldn't say I wild out, but I would just kind of I was just living. I mean, yeah. I would go to church every so often when I was in college, but I wasn't every Sunday. When I come back home, I would. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after I graduated, that's when I really realized that like you need God for real mm-hmm. <laughs> because when you graduate and you know you're not living in this this fantasy land where everything you won't need is within one mile of your radius in college. You come back home and you're really here and you're trying to figure out what's next in your life. Like that's when you had to lean on God and really figure out um, how he can order your steps. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I did, man. I, I often tell the story of my mom preaching this sermon after I graduated from college and all my frat brothers, they living in different cities. One of them from Atlanta. He lived in Atlanta he explicitly. He's from Memphis. He's like, man, why are you in Memphis, bro? You losing right now. <laughs> it's like, I want to be here. I want to mm-hmm. be here. And then shortly afterward, my mom was preaching this sermon on the purpose-driven life. I had this degree in electrical engineering. It wasn't something that I really wanted to do, but I had the degree. And so she started talking about finding your purpose. And she said, God's purpose for your life will never be about you. Mm-hmm. God's purpose for your life will always be about someone else. What can you do with your life to benefit somebody else? Okay. And that's when it clicked. Mm-hmm. And I said, all right, I, I love uh, my community. I like real estate. At the time, I got a real estate license. And I was like, I want to see how I can rebuild neighborhoods and communities. And mm-hmm. I stumbled upon city and regional planning at the University of Memphis. And under it, it said community development. I didn't even know what that meant. But it's a developed like community, it. <laughs> and I said, that's it. Right. Uh, and so I enrolled, and that's, man, the rest is history. Wow. Mm-hmm. That was it. Wow. That spiritual so, moment. So what is it that you, because being from Atlanta myself, yeah. telling all my people from Atlanta, yes, I'm moving to Memphis, <laughs> I'm going to Memphis, and all we got was, why? Yeah, what? Know, why I would know, you? Right. And even moving here, mm-hmm. people from Memphis were like, oh, you come from Atlanta? You came from Atlanta to here? Yeah. So what do you tell people who say things like that? I say Memphis... One, a lot of people from Memphis that say things like that have never left Memphis. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think when you leave Memphis, uh, I left for a year after I graduated from grad school and went to New York. And when I was there, what I realized is, man, Memphis actually is really cool. Like, Mm -hmm. the people are amazing, like, from a relational perspective. Mm -hmm. The heart of the people in Memphis just can't be matched. People are nice. They speak to you. And then we just got to, we have a swag. We're just cool. Like Memphis is a cool man. city. <laughs> right. yeah, I mean, really, man, Memphis, Memphis folks, we just down to earth. Uh, and every city doesn't have that. That's and then fact. it's an easy city. Like Memphis is very easy. We complain about traffic. We're in traffic for 20 minutes. Oh, and yeah. Traffic. Like, you go to Atlanta, that's real traffic. Now, we want about? some of what Atlanta has. We want mm-hmm. some of what Nashville has. But we have a soul and a flavor that's all of our own. And we just need to appreciate it more. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Like uh, I tell my people all the time that Memphis is like last of the Mohicans. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there are many places and pockets where you can go find a home for right. a couple hundred K. Yep. Right. Like where I'm like, man, if, if you're looking for some place to put down right. roots, like Memphis is a great place yeah, where you get is. value for your money, especially when you can see that Memphis is on the rise. It right? is. It mm-hmm. is. And, you know, I always tell people that, and when you look at just the nation as a whole and the South specifically, every few years, there's another great Southern city that's rising. Atlanta mm-hmm. obviously is at the top of the heap and they've been there for the last 20, 25 years. But you've had cities like Charlotte 
have popped off mm-hmm. past yeah. cities like Nashville, yeah. Austin, Texas. Uh, Dallas has always been Dallas one of the major been. ones. Mm-hmm. But the question is, who's next? Is it going to be Birmingham? Is it going to be Jackson, Mississippi? Is it going to be Memphis? Is it going to be Little Rock? Like, there's going to be another great city in the South where the buzz and the energy is coming. And there is absolutely no reason it shouldn't be Memphis. Well, after um, last Memphis. night's Grizzly game, it should be <laughs> oh, Memphis, Oh, yeah, absolutely, right? <laughs> absolutely. I mean, we got Grizz, we got Ja, right. uh, and we have the flavor. Like, the energy, the soul of Memphis, man, it's just incredible. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as a kid, did mm-hmm. you play sports? Man, I, I was a, a church league all-star. <laughs> okay, nah, crossover nah. king. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> no, I, I, I could play basketball. I didn't play on the team, uh, but I was. Okay. I played a lot of rec basketball. Okay, uh, that counts. Bro. Yeah, it counts. I mean, I I can hang with the folks on the team. Right. I wasn't on the team, but right. uh, played a lot of basketball uh, growing up. Okay. And so, what was your thing as a kid? Oh, sounds like basketball. Basketball. I mean, go younger, riding bikes, playing Ninja Turtles. (laughs) (laughs) Just man, just being a kid, man. I I grew up across the street from Oak Haven High School, and so that was like my playground. Okay, every Saturday, you know, riding my bike in the parking lot, throwing Mm. football on the football fields. Man, I I just had a great childhood with a lot of great kids in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. What's um. What's your family known for? Like the origins? Are y'all like farmers or were y'all? Man, service. Mm-hmm. Service. Like uh, my parents, man, they've laid such a strong foundation for for our, for us. I mean, my my brother, my sister is the director of community services for Shelby County Government. Older or younger? Oh, she's two years older. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, my younger brother, four years younger, uh, he works for Shelby County Schools, right? Memphis and Shelby County Schools right now as a gang specialist. Mm. Um, and then I've been doing the work that I've been doing. Uh, and so people know my parents for the work they've done in mental health. Uh, mm. They've done a lot to to connect mental health to church because, you know, a lot of black folks say, well, I'm going to pray on it and that's going to make it better. Mm. And, yeah. and what my folks have always said, yeah, pray, but take your medicine too. Mm. <laughs> and so uh, they've done a lot to kind of bridge that gap between mental health and the church. And they have okay. a suicide in the black church conference that they've been doing wow. for many years because there was a, a young lady that came on our grounds and killed herself back mm. in 2000, 2001. And mm. so they've been doing that work for that long. Okay. Do you okay. think that your your upbringing in in the church inspired y'all's service? No I mean, question. it's yeah. Yeah. No question. Yeah, my my dad would always because at first he would uh, he would try and talk to me about preaching, which my little brother does. Like, man, I'm not a preacher. And then later <laughs> on, my mom would say, "Well, look, the joke's on you because you are a public servant. Like, y- mm-hmm. your service is your ministry. Right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, your preaching. ministry. You mm-hmm. in the ministry? Yeah. You just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it's it's funny because when I was in college, she had a dream. And said, you're going to work in politics. And I was in engineering at the time. I was like, what? No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's nowhere in the cards. Mm -hmm. And she jokes on it all the time. Like, I told you. Mm. So as it relates to um, childhood, and then we're going to fast forward something, right? Um, Two questions. Okay. What was the worst whooping you ever got? (laughs) (laughs) We'll start with that one. And for for what? (laughs) And for what? Right. And for what? You know what? It wasn't even a whooping. It was the worst trouble I ever got into. Okay. Uh, I mean, I got plenty of whoopings, but I don't remember them. <laughs> but the worst trouble I got into, I think I was like 15, and a couple of my neighborhood partners, we was all out in the neighborhood, and I was always supposed to come home before the streetlights came on. And 
Uh, this day, I guess I was I was feeling myself, and I was hanging out in the neighborhood. We was at some apartments, Wood Lake, over off Tullahoma. We were standing in the front. A couple of my my guys was on the ground burning leaves and just just being <laughs> kids, nonsense. just doing right. stupid. Yeah. And my dad pulled up quick, and uh, he gave me some unchristian like words when he told me to get in the car. <laughs> uh, he, he reverted to his South Memphis days. Uh, but you know that was probably the worst trouble I got into, and I always remember it because he was his his point was basically, I see the direction that a lot of these kids that you hanging with are, and you not going that way. Okay. Like it ain't happening. Okay. And if you want to be a man, you're gonna have to come through me first. And that's pretty much the <laughs> the conversation and dialogue that we had. And you know, for a little while, I was upset about it, but now I fully respect it and appreciate it because some of the folks that I was with are dead now. Mm-hmm. Some of them that I was with have been shot. Um, some of them have been shooters. Some of them have killed folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these was my partners. Like, I'm talking about every day we together. Uh, but, you know, it's just interesting how you can see the path as a as a black man that has grown up in the neighborhoods and just grown up in this city. You can see the direction that people are headed, unfortunately, unless there's some major intervention. And he saw it early. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was the that was like the worst he was one. Uh, he squeezed the birds out your chest that oh, yeah, day yeah, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a little, little something. A little something. <laughs> um, as you reflect on, uh, you know, like you as a father now, mm-hmm. right, and as a husband now. Yeah. Um, you have two children. Two children, okay. Zoe and Paxton. Yeah, okay. seven and eleven. Okay. Well, she'll be twelve next week, but I'm gonna keep claiming eleven. <laughs> I can appreciate as that as long as I can. Um. How would you say that the way you've been raised is now reflected in the way you parent? You know, some of the things we got as parents. I got a lot of whoopings when I was mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Yeah, I did too. So now I don't. I'm not. I'm not the first to run to whooping my kids yeah. now because I understood that like all it did was raise my level of ability to handle pain. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Which is why I'm probably tatted. And, <laughs> right. You know what right. I mean? Right. Right. Got into a lot of trouble. Yeah. Uh, it's because of that. So what would you say has been the reflection That's a good of, question. of uh, I, your childhood? I, I got whoopings, but I don't. I don't. I don't think I've ever given them a, a whooping or spanking or any of that what? type stuff. Uh, I don't think they've. I mean, my son might have got popped a couple of times here and there if he's just doing something crazy. But it, <laughs> even that's not nothing like what we used to get. Right. Um, and I don't know if that's a, a reaction to what I got or just the new age of parenting where you just try and find different approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they grow up so different than we did. Like they're. They don't go outside like we used to. I got to push them to go outside. He's starting to get to the point where he'd like to go out and Good. shoot basketball. But mm-hmm. for the most part, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think the thing that does drive me that parallels from my background is having a, a, a basis of faith and ensuring that they're connected to the church and that they understand um, that God is the king of all Hmm. and he guides our lives. Hmm. I I make sure that they know that. Hmm. Um, But otherwise, I mean, I think just, and just having a strong family. I mean, my wife, Jamila, um, we do everything we can to make sure they have everything they want. um, Much of what they don't, sorry, everything they need, much of what they want, they get to, even though they don't need it. Um, And (laughs) so, you know, the challenge I think is figuring out how to make sure they don't get spoiled. And, that they still understand because they're not they're not living like we are were. No, I mean, no. even from a neighborhood perspective, neighborhoods when I was growing up were more economically integrated. Even though it was mostly black, 
you had lower income and higher incomes all mixed together. Um, and they don't even necessarily get that. So we try to make sure that we engage them in programs where they're interacting with different people from across the community and the mm-hmm. city. Uh, and I think that's the way that we, we have to raise our kids so that they understand um, that people come from so many different spectrums of life. Mm-hmm. And I don't want them to just be, um, you know, so pigeonholed that they don't see the other side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good. So if you um, looking at, well, as grown Mr. Mm-hmm. Young grown, grown. could talk to young Mr. Young. Let's say twelve year old. Yeah. What would you tell yourself if you sitting right next to you? Man, enjoy the ride. Enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm. Write mm-hmm. stuff down. Mm-hmm. Record as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Man, those memories matter so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and and looking back, because you just go through life and you just living it like it's like, you know, it's just another day. Mm-hmm. But it's a moment in time. It's history in the making. Even just a. This moment right now that we're sitting in, like this is historic. Like imagine 20 years looking back and thinking about the conversation that we had. Like every moment that we're experiencing is historic. And Mm -hmm. and I didn't fully appreciate that as a young person. As I got older, I started trying. Somebody told me when I first had my first child, they were like, record as much as you can. And I took it to heart. And now I look back. 11, 12 years later, and I'm looking at videos when mm-hmm. she was coming up. I'm like, man, this this is golden. Absolutely. So capture the journey. Yeah. So what I hear is you have no storage left in your phone. <laughs> <laughs> I got some external hard drives. <laughs> we got some external hard drives for it. <laughs> yeah. That's good, that's, right? Yeah, that's that's good advice. And I, I can appreciate that advice yeah. as someone who – Kinda as a millennial, I didn't grow up with technology, but I grew up with technology. Yeah. Like we're in that weird phase, but mm-hmm. recording everything, right? Recording My sister, she's one who she's like the picture person, but she's never in the pictures because she's always taking the pictures. Right. So right. trying to make sure we get footage of her and so right. no, I can it, appreciate it. It that. makes a difference. It makes mm-hmm. a difference. And so I just encourage everybody to do it. Hmm. So Help me understand this. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a, I am a Miffian now. When we got here, my boys were eighth graders. Okay. And initially it was like, um, you know, we'll at least be here four years, mm-hmm. right? Um, because we, we're not going to switch their high schools, right? right? Um, now that they're about to graduate in a couple of weeks and, you know, gunshots later, pandemic later. Right. Um, man, I'm, I'm committed to being in Memphis, mm-hmm. right? But here's what I can't understand. I, I sit in a lot of meetings and right. opportunities that are convened around our city. Mm-hmm. And I hear black folks talk about um, our city being run by whites. And yet, everywhere I look is black folks in leadership. Right. Like I look at Shelby County Schools, it's majority right. black. I look right. at city of Memphis government, it's majority black. I look at Shelby County. It's so so I guess the question is like help help me, help us understand mm-hmm. like we understand history and racism and we understand Dr. King, yeah. you know, it's surreal for us being 18 minutes from where he was assassinated, being from Atlanta. Right. We feel some real destiny in being here. Right. But right. help us understand the city from the lenses of a 
a young man who's grown up here, maybe mm-hmm. in a way that maybe folks don't really rock with, yeah. but like, because I don't I'm get, if I'm black, right? And I'm in a city like Memphis, mm-hmm. I'm like, what you crying about? I mean, no disrespect, what you crying about the white folks for, bro, when we leading? Right, right. Or we're at least the ones, we're the, we're the face right. that's leading. Well, I think, I think what, well, what has happened in Memphis is that African-Americans, black folks, we've gotten political power but we still never got the financial power, mm-hmm. the financial strength mm-hmm. to make the changes necessary. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can vote on some policies and change some things in the neighborhood and direct a couple of million dollars to rebuild community center, and it, but it doesn't change the economic makeup of our city. Mm-hmm. You can't change the economic makeup of your city without economic power and strength. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have always lacked. And what Atlanta was able to do is Atlanta was able to build black wealth. Black wealth changes the game because black wealth is going to employ more black people. And when you start looking at it from that perspective, that's where we've never truly gotten that strength. And I Mm. think that's what the context Mm. of the statement is when they say white people run it. And that doesn't mean that White people are all bad or that there aren't Mm -hmm. white people in this city that get it and and understand have been pouring a lot of money into places to try to change the trajectory. It just means that until there are black people with the economic strength in our community to truly make investments that are going to change the game, that we'll never get where we're trying to go. Hmm. And I think that is the key. And Hmm. I think oftentimes in Memphis, people say, well, you know, we don't talk about race. We talk about race all the time, mm-hmm. probably more than most. We're, yeah. we're very upfront with it. I think what happens is because the way we talk about it is in a in a combative mm-hmm. approach, like everybody get on their they guns. Like soapboxing like, it up, it's right? White people this, black people this, and mm-hmm. now we pointing fingers and we don't hear. But if you just stop, like it's not your fault, it's not my fault, we in this room and we got to fix it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have a problem. Yeah. We look at poverty in Memphis. The numbers hadn't moved in 40 years. That's crazy. We've been talking about it for 40 years. It's crazy. But the numbers hadn't moved. We're sitting at a 26% poverty rate. Mm-hmm. A quarter of our city is poor. And another quarter of them barely making it. They just happen to be above the poverty line. Mm-hmm. And so we have to have some real conversations and take some real actions on things that are going to change the game. Bring some some different types of jobs that are going to have ceilings that are much higher than the ceilings we have now. Sure. A lot of the jobs that we have, they're capped at $25 an hour. Tops. That's and it. most of the average is 17 hmm. And even if that's above 15 it's still barely making it. And there's still a lot of people that's under that. Yeah. And so what we have to do is figure out what's going to change the narrative for our people. Hmm. How do we build more black wealth in our community? How do we build more minority ownership in our community? Like those are the real, we, we're never going to change crime. We're never going to change hmm. all of these things if we don't do it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Lock them up, lock them up. I support holding people accountable. 
Absolutely. If you run around robbing folks, I want you in jail. Mm. I'm 100% for it. Right. And we're going to do it right. when I become mad. My man I took my battery out of my car. <laughs> you right. up out of here, bro. Right. You got to go sit down for a while. Man, I saw a meme I saw a meme the other day of uh, some guys uh, going into the club. I saw that. I saw that. <laughs> and they were taking their uh, batteries Hard out of their car. <laughs> and they were in the club, like, taking pictures with the battery. You saw that, and I thought, I did. yeah, go to jail, yeah, bro. Yeah, like, you, you got you to gotta go. Did. But at the same time, it's a pipeline. It's a like, pipeline. Once you remove this person, it's another one right behind Absolutely. them. Mm-hmm. So we got to cut off the pipeline. We got to give this person that's right behind them a different opportunity, a change of mind, a change of yeah. perspective. So that they can do something different. That's yeah. the way we really write the ship. Yeah. I, one, let me just say, I agree with you. Like some of the, not just in Memphis, but throughout the course of my life, mm-hmm. um, I'm a product of kingdom investments, right? Where it's not a black or white thing. It's about resourcing a young man for eternity, right? right? So that he sees heaven in me, mm-hmm. right? And and so to me, until that conversation can be unashamedly right. had around yeah. Man, Christ died for us to be able to remove all of these things that separate yeah, us. We're trying barriers. to figure out we're distracted, right. right, by what doesn't really matter. We're already unified, right, right? Um, in another way. But how do we move forward? So in that regard, like some of the, like the miracles we've been able to trust uh, Yahweh for, even here at FTK, mm-hmm. are at the hands of a mix, right. black and white, right? right? Of it's, course. You know what I yeah. mean? And so um, I don't ever think that's the issue. I just didn't, you know, it's just kind of like, it's one of those things where I've sat around and tried not to be a critic and like, you know, yeah. kind of like, yeah. what, what are we yeah. talking about? But I get what you, I understand yeah. what you're I saying. Mean, it's, just, it's just economic strength, man. We, yeah. we we had to build up economic strength and everybody wins. If more African-Americans have money in the city, more white people going to have money. Yeah, more because they're gonna be more money being spent, right. more money being circulated, right. and so supply and demand. Like yeah, we, we're just gonna grow our economy in a way where it's it's inclusive and everybody wins. What do you What do you think though? Because we've all heard that phrase, "Everybody wins," right? Yeah. A win win scenario. Everybody eats is mm-hmm. what we say here yeah. at FTK. Keep your money in your pocket. <laughs> Okay, Um, but what do you think is so hard about that phrase for a lot of people to understand that I can win and you can win at the same time? Yeah, I mean, I think people understand it. I think the how is where we get caught up. Mm -hmm. Like, all right, yeah, get it at a high level. Mm -hmm. Now what? What about this contract that's getting ready to come out? This bid for for a construction gig. Now, Mm -hmm. now we're saying that. We got to pick this firm. Mm-hmm. But what if this firm isn't good enough? What if this firm can't finish in a year and we and they, it's going to take them two years? What if they can't get bonded? What if they can't get the insurance mm-hmm. that they need mm-hmm. to be able to sustain this job? Mm-hmm. Then you have like the how is where we trip up. I think we get it in principle. I think we get it at a baseline level. But then you start talking about the how and then it comes down to, well, that's cool as long as you do it on that job. Not on this one, that's mine. (laughs) And so, you know, the application is where you start having the challenges. And Mm -hmm. that's where I think leadership and 
we put a lot of pressure on local government to be the ones to do it. But the reality is the local government spend is what? 1% of our, Mm. our total GDP. Mm. Like that's minuscule Mm -hmm. in terms of what it's really going to take. It's really going to take the major corporations saying, I agree. I want to support minority businesses, women owned businesses and spending money with them in a way that is dramatically different. And that is, that is not easy because as a business owner, you want to go with who you trust. Mm-hmm. I've been working with Jimmy for the last 30 years. <laughs> right. You telling me I can't work with Jimmy no more? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Like this is this, this is the application, the how. Yeah. Like that's where we run into the challenges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we got to work through it. Yeah. We got to mm-hmm. push for the greater good. We got to figure out, all right, Jimmy, you still on, but we're gonna partner now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of making a million, you're gonna get six fifty. And we got another three fifty going over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to shift it up. Things going to be shaking up. You got to diversify your portfolio. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I like it because it also means we have to lift the level of uh, the small businesses, right? We have Absolutely. to educate those who are operating out of their home who don't know, right? Which is what I love about things right. Tennessee does, like the Tennessee placemakers grants right. and stuff that allow small businesses to be able to grow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think Tennessee has some very, very win-wins that could do exactly what you're saying. Um, And yeah, although Memphis has some siloing, I think you're right. Like if our local government can maybe convene opportunities, use that power. That's my goal. Like the mayor is the chief convener, the chief collaborator. Mm -hmm. Like that's what the role of the local government is. We can lead by example, but we need others to do it too. Yeah. If we're going to really change the game, like let's, Let's all buy into where we're trying to go. We see what we've gotten by doing it the way we've been doing it. So let's do something different. So let's commit to it. So let's get to it then. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Before we run out of time. Because yeah. we definitely, you know what I mean? We definitely want to hear. Yeah. Um, you know, we we definitely have to talk ag at some point. So don't let me forget oh, yeah, about the yeah, ag. Yeah, or my people, ag. My I people are going to be all on me like, Paul was there. You didn't say anything <laughs> about ag and food disparity. He brought up poverty. That was, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. But before we even get to that, right? Like there's. Man, there's a lot of folks in this race. It is. It I is. mean, it's good low, right? Well, it's the first mayoral open seat, the first non-incumbent election in 51 years. So mm. it's understandable. A lot wow. Of, a lot of people have been looking at this as an opportunity. And so, you know, it's incumbent upon each of us to prove that we're the right person at the right time. And that's what I said. Nobody's going to work harder than me. I know I'm vetted for it. I know I'm ready for it. I know I've been training for it my whole career. And so who who I'm charged who, up. Who was it? Who was the person or people in your life that said, Paul, now is the time? Or did you have that inclination on your own? Like, yeah, Yo, I mean, I think when I was housing director in probably 2018 or so, I, could, I was like, man, I could see myself actually running for mayor. And then, um, you know, a couple of years I had conversation. Then the pandemic hit. And then I got the job at Downtown Memphis Commission, and I actually had talked myself out of it. I was like, nah, now ain't the time. And then I was talking to my dad uh, before he passed. It was probably a year before he passed. He was calling me on, on the phone like he usually does. And he was like, yeah, what's up with this running for mayor? You going to do it? And I was like, man, I don't think so. I got my kids, and you know, life. It's going to be hard pressure hmm. nobody likes you when you're mayor and you know everybody mad at you i just don't know if i want it and he was like well let me tell you this he said if my mom and dad 
would have ever dreamed that their grandson would have the ability to think about running for mayor. Hmm. I can't tell you how happy they would be. Hmm. And he was like, the work that you've been doing and what God has put into you, he didn't do it for you. He's been training you and preparing you for giving that to the rest of this city. And it's like, I mean, now, now you do with it what you want, but the response, you're not doing this for you. You're not doing it for Paul Young. You're mm-hmm. doing this for the rest of this city, and it's about what God has put in you for the rest of our community. And now you take that and you sleep on it. Mm-hmm. And so when he said that and mm-hmm. people were dying during the pandemic, I was like, man, you know what? Life is short. I won't be better in eight years than I am right now. Um, so why not now? Why not me? I've been prepping for it. Let's go. And I just made my mind up. That's what and I said, I'm going to do it. What was what was uh, Jamila? Jamila, yeah. What was yeah. Jamila's response? And uh, what does Jamila do? What Jamila is a, a doctor, a nurse practitioner at Labonner. Okay. So, okay. yeah, she's, 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 a, she's a rock star too. in her own right. Yeah. Um, and so... You know, she was she was on board. She supported it. Um, she wanted to make sure that that we were ready and that you know she she doesn't necessarily love all the public attention. She likes to kind of just make sure that, that the home front is good, that yeah. the family mm-hmm. is good. Uh, but she understands the mission. I mean, she's always she like me as a servant leader. She wants to make sure that she's doing her public good to the community, and she yeah. does that through the medical field. But I think she sees the bigger picture. And mm-hmm. now, I mean, she all in. I can't sleep at night because she waking me up, <laughs> telling me other stuff I need to be doing. So, <laughs> she's, a, she's the campaign manager. She's oh, wake up. There's event. no time to sleep now. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, uh, can we can we watch Power? For right. <laughs> Let's turn it off. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so what do you say? Well, before I go there, um, so you know you're running for mayor. Mm-hmm. You feel prepped with the experience you've had. While you were talking, I thought of I heard the story of Nehemiah, mm. which was especially when you said people were dying, like that there are moments that like really like yeah. that gut wrenching that lets you know like yo I I've got to do more. Yeah, right. Um, and that story of Nehemiah is one who was very comfortable. He had a a seat at the king's table, right. so to speak, right? right. Like you. Um, and being the change in downtown, doing billion-dollar yeah, projects, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, explain to us, like, when you say preparation, even now, I don't mm-hmm. think people know what right. your role is <laughs> yeah, in our yeah, city. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I mean, uh, so Downtown Memphis Commission, if there's a major development or project that's happening in this, in downtown, it comes through us. So we do the tax incentives and grants and all those things. We also have a public safety team that's out working and patrolling the streets. They don't arrest. They don't have weapons, but they're our eyes and ears. They support our brothers and sisters experiencing homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also, are, you know, have a straight line to the police when something's happening. We clean up the streets. We do events and activities. So it's almost like being mayor of a little small area of yeah. the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, Does that include like the Blood Island? Would that Blood be a Island part? is included. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's included. And so, you know, DMC is a very important role. And just like you said, I'm good. I mean, I have a great job. It's amazing. Uh, But I want to do more. I want to make sure. I know I can do more. And this election is so important. Whoever wins this race defines our legacy for the next 10 years. Mm. If we're going to be that city that I just talked about, if we're going to be that next city, it's going to happen because of leadership. Mm -hmm. And the question is, 
who is that innovative next generation leadership that's ready to move our city right now. Hmm. And I look around and I'm it. I'm it. I'm the one that's ready and wants to do it. Hmm. I'm sure there are others that can lead. They can lead. They can be they can be in charge. But who's ready now? So to that, to combat that, right? Like I've heard Hmm. lots of people say, um, I was having a conversation with a dear friend the other day Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, they were pushing for somebody else. And uh, I said, well, you know, I'm not, I'm a Miffian now. And I said, man, like for me, when I look at just the bios of a lot of the guys, I mean, I like Paul, right? right? And he's like, hey, listen, don't get me wrong. I love Paul. He just need to wait. But his last name says it all. He's too young. Yeah. What do you say to that? Like, first of all, I'm not that young. <laughs> I wish I, I just was. look good. Yeah, I just look good. I'm 43. I've been doing this 20 years. Wow. So that's one. Wow. Two. Line us up. <laughs> like, vet us. Whoever you think the other person, whoever's better, put them next to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ask us the same 10 questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you're gonna walk away and say that I'm more prepared for mm-hmm. the job. Mm-hmm. Walking in. That's not that's nothing against them. It's just there's only one job. Mm-hmm. Only one person can get it. <laughs> and the question is who's ready right now to take us to the next level? And I've obviously I'm a little biased, but I firmly <laughs> believe that I I'm the so. one. And so it, I've heard that of course, you know, they say well you should wait, you're young. We're not that young. In fact, there are 11 major cities that have elected mayors under the age of 45 over the last five years. We got a mayor in Arkansas, 19? 18. 18. 18. 18. I mean, so (laughs) we, we, yeah, I'll stop there. I'll just leave that alone. Yeah, that proves the point alone. Yeah, Yeah. just 20 years of service, too. Yeah, 20 years of service. What's the budget of a downtown commission look like? So our our base budget is about $5 million, $5 million. Okay. Um, But the budget is is not the best way of looking at it because right. the projects that we manage, you know, it's billions of dollars of development mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily flow through us. It flows through the private developer. But in order for that private developer it's to get that thing done, they have to. Yeah. So, you know, so we manage major of budgets yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of the most some of the, yeah. what many would call the most important part of our city. And no question. It's the most important neighborhood in our region. I mean, it's the only neighborhood that's everybody's neighborhood. Think about that. that. It's the only neighborhood that's everybody's neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, our economic future is our billboard. It's our living room. Our economic future is dependent on having a strong downtown. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had an opportunity to lead there. And I've been the housing director for six years, five and a half years. And I worked in every neighborhood in this city. So, you know, it's not like I just worked downtown. I've been all over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when you say um, that you're the one who's ready to take us to the next level, what is that next level for Memphis? Everything I talked about earlier, um, you know, opportunities for our young people, reduction Mm -hmm. of crime, cleaning up our neighborhoods, activating uh, spaces and opportunities for our youth, investing in arts and culture, building a world class transit system. All those things start now. They start right now. And in order to get there, we got to have a vision. We got to have somebody who can execute, who can do the X's and O's, who can do the day-to-day work. That's what I've been doing. I'm not a politician. Mm -hmm. I'm a doer. I've been the person behind the scenes that have made politicians look good. 
Mm-hmm. I've worked for mayors. I've I've written speeches for mayors. I've I've done projects. Now it's time to have a mayor that has it. We've never had a mayor that has the technical training on how to build a great city from an academic perspective and has been practicing it for the last 20 years. It's not just mm-hmm. in theory. Mm-hmm. Not just in theory. Mm-hmm. I can point I can go stand in front of the things I've done in this city mm-hmm. and take a picture. You can see it. I can talk to the people. They can tell you about the impact of the housing that's been built and how it's changed their lives and the, mm-hmm. the projects that we've done. Like the things that I have done demonstrate that I'm ready to keep doing that work to get us to this vision that we're looking for. Mm-hmm. I like it. So the the vision, right? Mm-hmm. If you had to give Memphis a slogan that <laughs> that mm. reflects your vision for that next level, what would it be? Hmm. Uh, slogan. That's that's too good. I can't, <laughs> nice. I don't know, um, I'll just talk about the vision because I don't know about it. I don't know the slogan, but okay. opportunities for all. A place where if you are wherever you are on the spectrum, you, you just, just got out of jail. You messed up like in the past. Right you just right. said opportunities it. For opportunities for all. Like, opportunities for all. If you just got out of jail, there's some something you can do. Hmm. If you just graduating from high school, it's something you can do. If you left Memphis and went to college at Princeton and you want a, a top-tier job at a major firm, law mm-hmm. firm, it's something you can do here. Mm-hmm. Like, we have to make sure that there's opportunities across the spectrum. Uh, we have so many amazing people from Memphis that leave Memphis. And if mm-hmm. they only had the opportunity, they would come back. Mm-hmm. I want to recruit them back. That's part of our growth strategy. Let's get our Memphians abroad. Let's bring them back. Yeah. Let's show them what we're doing here. Let's show them how we're growing. Mm-hmm. Like that's what that's how we're going to base our future is making sure we have those opportunities available for everybody and then the game changes. Hmm. I would agree. I agree. Opportunities mm-hmm. for all. My man, uh I don't have any bars, but here's one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. A uh, couple more questions and uh man, we we appreciate you being here. Yeah. Um, Have fun. I would uh, I'll start with this one before I go back to like where I really I really want to understand your thoughts yeah. on it. Um, but uh, you mentioned it. Right. You said 26 percent. I think you said mm-hmm. I just finished a grant. Right. So I I know yeah, that right weird. now it's like 30.6. OK. You know what I mean? So it's it's rising in some areas, although right. it's going down in others like Raleigh mm-hmm. at the same time. Right. We've got this high poverty level. Right. And although we appreciate our food banks. Right. Our food bank can only do so much. Mm -hmm. And Memphis is there was a report that came out in like 2015 that said the Memphis is uh, Memphis and Tennessee as a whole. But but Memphis is growing a lot of agriculture that doesn't Mm -hmm. stay local. Right. right? How do we connect, in your opinion? And this may be like maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit too specific, but how do we connect the work that's being done? And providing food access mm-hmm. and building local food systems, right, that affect both Memphis and our region. Right. How do we connect that to the as the answer to our poverty? We have to turn it into job opportunities at the end of the day. <clears throat> now, my understanding of the ag industry is that the bulk of what's being produced is regional and not necessarily in the city. Correct. Um, so a lot of the farms are over in um, eastern Arkansas just to the north of us. Um, there is some inner city 
ag that's happening, but it's at a you know much smaller scale. Correct. Uh, I know that there's some work that the works is doing over um, right behind. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you're talking about Kroger on Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched the bottoms. Uh, and so I think those are opportunities to to bring more production to scale. I think what we have to do is figure out how do you turn all of this production into job opportunities locally? And how do you expose it to people? Because when people think of farming, they think of slavery. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. this is just real talk. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you start talking to black folks. Hmm. We don't think of that as being a good job. We don't mm-hmm. think about the other side of farming. That doesn't mean you had to be in the field. Right. Mm-hmm. There, there's the so many mm-hmm. aspects to Ag this production. Tech, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like I think exposure is what we need. Mm-hmm. And I know that there have been a number of industries. Uh, Indigo Egg is the one that comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, I forget my man's name. I'm sure he's connected to you guys yeah. doing uh, work in the ag space. Uh, he's going to be really mad that I'm forgetting his name. But they're doing some amazing things. And ag I think Launch is doing Ag some, Launch, that's what I'm talking yeah, about. Pete. Pete, Pete, yep. Pete. Sorry, Pete, yep. my and bad. And, of course, we, um, Memphis Tilt is now Memphis part of Tilt. our family. Yes, that's so, right. That's right. Yeah, so, you know, Mia Madison, that's my girl, too, man. Man, Mia, my girl, saying, man. Bro? So, um, yeah, I think the work that you guys are doing is really, really important. And it's just a matter of showing people what the opportunities are in the space and being able to grow the industry. Because I think we have what it takes. We have the region. We have the production. We're already known as one of the greatest places to to grow food. Yeah. But we have to professionalize it and bring it to the communities and the neighborhoods so that they see it as more than just um, a way to use a vacant lot. Yeah. It has to be seen. And that's a cool way to do it. And yeah. that's that's great. That's great work, but we have to show that it's not just this, but this leads to this over here. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's good. Um, my next question, I'm gonna pass it to you to, you know what I mean. Whatever you mm-hmm. got to close us out. <laughs> so, how do we? I don't know. We can't write history, right? We can't change the past. Mm-hmm. But how do we? We we talk about providing wealth to the forgotten ones, whether black, white. Asian, Native American, American Indian, right? Pacific Islanders, mm-hmm. right? That live here, right. um, refugees, right? right? Uh, West Africans, we name Absolutely. it, right? How do we shape the picture of gentrification for them? I bring that up because yeah. I know you probably weren't, um, you probably weren't an influence, but like the Hope Six Project, which mm-hmm. happened all around the country, wasn't yeah. like just a myth. I was deeply thing. involved. Okay, yeah. Well. From what I know, right, mm-hmm. from research, like, for instance, here locally, the Hope Six Project tore down lots of Section 8 housing, right? Correct. And said, we're going to come back and we're going to rebuild this, mm-hmm. right, better for the people who live here. Right. The majority of those those folks were pushed to Raleigh, 38128, right. to Frazier, right, and it's to, uh, like, Oakhaven, North yeah, Memphis, yeah, yeah. and yep. some of South Memphis, right? Yep, yep. Um, And what was rebuilt did not bring anyone back. Like, mm-hmm. and so in my mind, we make refugees out of people locally. When I move you from where you were and I drop you in Raleigh where there's nothing to own, right? right in the nineties and the folks who live here feel threatened by this influx of everybody coming, yeah. Yeah. right? Like how do we shape the narrative around gentrification where one, it doesn't lead to this white flight mm-hmm. where I feel comfortable enough if I'm a white brother, sister to stay, Right. Because I choose Raleigh. I love right. Raleigh. I'm right. not leaving. Right. Uh, and 
where we shape the allocation of funds, mm-hmm. right? Memphis 3.0, I know your footprint, handprints, yep, yep. all over that. How do we truly, truly shape the narrative of gentrification that doesn't mean yeah. that if I'm renting at Country View, my rent goes up and yet my pay doesn't and there's no houses available because the folks who lived here in the 90s still haven't sold, right? right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a huge question. Yeah. So am I right <laughs> so, about the Hope 6 project, though? Partly. Okay. Yes, I, mean, okay. I, I think in principle, yes, you are right. Okay. You are right. That's a that, that, There's just a lot of takes and angles on when okay. we talk about Hope 6. And um, in its short form, I, what I'll say is the goal of Hope 6 is noble, and I believe it's the right goal, which is to say that what we've done in this country is we have created islands of poverty. We've taken poor people, put them in a gated community and said, stay in there and don't come out like Goody Mob having, had on that song where they said, I wonder if the gate was put up to keep us in or, or keep us out. keep us out. Like, mm-hmm. that's what has really happened in our country. And Hope Six says, well, no longer are we going to relegate our poor people to these conditions. We want to take it back to the old school in South Memphis when my folks grew up. The doctor grew up next to the janitor, next door to the lawyer, next to the teacher. It was mixed income community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what a neighborhood was. Yeah. And that's the point of Hope Six is like, let's stop it from let's let's not make this an island of poverty where everybody inside this gate is living in deep, deep poverty. Because when you do that and everybody around you struggling, you lose the 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 social capital that comes with living in a mixed income community. Mm-hmm. I'm poor, but my neighbor has something. I can go over there and get some sugar. I can actually go and sit at their dinner table and hear him talk about being a doctor or hear her talking about being a lawyer. So it changes from a social perspective, but then it also changes the aesthetics and what it looks like in the neighborhood. And so Hope Six was important to doing that. The negative effect is exactly what you're talking about. You've taken these people and removed them from their environment, whether I like it or not. Yeah, they poor, but this their neighborhood. This is their social contact. This is my friend that you're moving me away from. So there are all of these tough decisions that had to be made. But I think the overwhelming point was that the conditions were not fit for human habitation. The buildings were in such severe state of disrepair. The environmental conditions were extremely bad. It was making them sick. And so when you move the people out, what we later figure out in Hope Six, which was now later became Choice Neighborhoods, what we later figured out was that the way that you do it was was off on the front end. We didn't have the supports around the family. So if we're moving them to Raleigh, we need to move case managers to Raleigh Damn to man. work with these folks to figure out what do you need to make your family whole. You need transportation. You need child care. You need a job. Let's work. Let's he- let me help you. Let me hold your hand through this. <laughs> That's what we did in the later versions. <laughs> and so Hope 6 has had an impact. But the, the last thing I'll say on that is What's the other option? Mm. Is the option to leave it the same? Well, some people say, well, fix up what's there. You know how bad it is? <laughs> and and so, mm. you know, things that we're seeing in downtown wouldn't have happened but for changing the way public housing was in its current, in its previous form. And so um, the way we offset gentrification is to make sure that as we invest in neighborhoods and communities, that we're always investing in affordable alternatives. And the other point is the one you close with, which is affordability is relative. It's relative. It's how much do I have in my pocket? Thanks. 
And so the more we can grow incomes, mm -hmm. we will have more affordable housing mm -hmm. because sticks and bricks aren't getting cheaper. Not at the all. The cost of building is, is still high. Yeah. <laughs> Interest rates are up. Yeah. It's not getting cheaper. So we can't, we can't uh, you know, subsidize our way out of it. We got to figure out how do we get more money in people's pockets. Mm -hmm. I agree. Hmm. I agree. I think that's a good, you know, heavy note to close on. <laughs> yeah, um, that, was, that was heavy, but <laughs> right. we could go much deeper on that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. housing is my thing. Yeah, I hadn't yeah. been talking about it on the campaign trail because... I can go down rabbit holes on it. Yeah. <laughs> so so I try to keep it high level. But when we go when we get into the housing issues, I mean I have a lot of passionate feelings about uh about it because it is the core of what makes a family whole. Absolutely. It's the so core maybe, of maybe of we bring you back and let you host one and we have United Housing here. Yeah, I would love to let, hang out with my and people. Let you guys y'all yeah. and a couple others we that can you know. On that for a while. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I think it's important because we don't know. Right. Right? right? Like those who are grinding Oh, interest rates are high? I don't know. I just know <laughs> right. my rent went up right. and right. Right. they right. hadn't even come and fixed the toilet. You right. know what I mean? Right. Or the doggone <coughs> fire, uh, the, what's it called? The, the fire, smoke alarm. The smoke Spring. alarm yeah, still yeah, beeping yeah, night. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've changed the battery eight times, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah, I got you. I'm no down. Clue. I, I'm down. That education me. will be dope. And, yep. and like you said, you can talk that talk because you really, really know it. Yeah. Right? I do the work, man. Mm -hmm. I do the work. Like, I think people appreciate it that yeah. you understand no matter where you live, you understand that where I'm living right now is unacceptable, right. but it's all I can afford. Right. So where, some, you know, there's got to be a silver lining somewhere. So I think people really appreciate mm -hmm. your passion behind the housing issue right. that we have. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I can hang with y'all all day. Man, man this has <laughs> been dope. Yeah, I, I think yeah, that the absolutely. timing was was even better. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I know last time we didn't, I didn't make it. That for, was both of us though, yeah. man. I was in Little <laughs> yeah. Rock looking at a farm, Little looking Rock, at the first right, right. Uh, rice farm that's on owned and operated by African-Americans in Little Rock. And so that's I too awesome. was like, well, he wasn't here. So, you know, but it's worked out and I'm yeah. glad. I'm glad yeah, about yeah. it. So we're called Tell Me Something Good. Okay. Right? That's how, you know, tell me something, something good. You know it, right. <laughs> yeah. um, tell us something good. Close us on something good. What would you What would you tell Raleigh? What would you tell Frazier? What would you tell our city? Tell us something good. Now, what I would say for Raleigh and Frazier, man, Raleigh and Frazier, man, this is a gold mine up here. I was just at uh, Frazier Exchange earlier today. Uh, I think people that that don't live in this area or frequent this area don't realize how much opportunity there is. It's a very, very beautiful, just the the landscape the of the area, hills. the rolling hills. It's, yeah. it's just a beautiful area. And I believe that as our city grows, Raleigh's going to grow. We've seen a lot of excitement for uh, what's happening kind of around Austin P and the, mm -hmm. the former Raleigh Springs Mall, which is yeah. a project that I was involved with, the okay. Raleigh Springs Town Center. We're seeing economic activity take place over there. We're seeing interest in housing, Chick-fil-A. Uh, <laughs> you know, those those types of things show that there's promise because these these companies, they have very, very uh, exquisite algorithms that tell them where they mm -hmm. should be investing. And so the fact mm -hmm. that they say they want to invest here, that matters. Mm -hmm. That means that this area is on the rise. Uh, and so I think there's a lot to look forward to in this community. And I look forward to being here much, much more often. Yeah, mm -hmm. that sounds dope. That yeah. sounds dope. Well, you know you got a home at FTK. Right, Absolutely. Right. We pull up. I'm yeah. pulling up. We'll plan a voter's registration drive yeah, so that yeah, I'll be yeah. with a Register food giveaway people. or something. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, yo, it's been good. We appreciate you taking the time. Yes, you know you. what I mean? You thank could you. be anywhere in our city, but you decide to be here with a little video right of us. And right so, um, Paul Young, y'all, we appreciate him being here. Absolutely. Thank y'all for uh, tuning in, listening to another episode of Tell Me Something Good. I'm T. Bakes, a.k.a. Yahweh's Walking Miracle. Um, <laughs> and I've got Jay Von Ray with me. And of AKA course, shout out to Nick and Knight. AKA yeah. <laughs> what? Jay <laughs> I've got Nick and Knight with us again, uh, locking down another episode. Until then, remember that the hope that we have sits above and that you, he has given you everything you need to be great. <laughs>